This episode of Noise of the Broke Boys is brought to you by Political Debates. Do you love being aimlessly pandered to? What about a yearning to hear sweet lies being told directly to your face? Is there a certain phrase that a candidate can say to make you abandon all morals and pledge undying support to them? Introducing Political Debates. Enjoy the long-lasting 10-second release of dopamine as you hear all your biases being confirmed by lifelong politicians who definitely have your best interests in mind. Sit in the bliss of knowing that your least favorite candidate's ego is being defeated by your second least favorite candidate on a worldwide stage, allowing everyone to see that your second least favorite candidate is the person that they should vote for. Pay no attention to the word debate and what it actually entails, as it is more politically effective and morally just for candidates to use petty name calling to argue their policies than form fully thought out ideas and explain them in nuanced ways. Enjoy your second least favorite candidate and watching that singular policy you cared about that they promised to enact but never got around to it. And now on to the show. In this episode, I talk with a very introspective individual. He's both an amazing painter and a pauper. This guy always has some interesting things to say about art and its relationship to his life. Not only is he an incredibly gifted creative mind, but he is also an immensely intelligent entrepreneur. Please enjoy the episode with D. Kwan. Welcome everyone to the complete and utter destruction of the last few brain cells in your possession. I apologize in advance for this, but without further ado, today's guest is a good friend of mine and crewmate. His name is D. Kwan. He's a popper, he's a painter, he's an artist, and he's a tech entrepreneur. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, what's up, man? Good to uh, see you again and have, you know, be on your show. Yeah, I know earlier last a couple of days ago, we were talking about some of the cool things you're working in the tech industry, and we can maybe talk about that later. But, um, you know, you, I, I met you through dance um, back in college, um, and you've been doing that for a long time. And I, I, and then later I had realized that you also are a painter, and I believe you play violin or viola or one of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A musician. Um, you're, you've always been like a pretty artistic guy, um, and. I'm interested to know, um, like how that, how you came about those, you know, to, to those, uh, those things in your life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's largely like when I was really young and we're talking about before we went to his preschool. So before I was four years old, um, I, in sort of my development, uh, had problems speaking and hearing. So, like I had ear infections and stuff as a kid, uh, speech impediments came up and the only thing that I could really do was visual stuff. So I started expressing myself when I was a really young kid, just with actually drawing, mm. drawing colors. You know, when you're like young, your mom probably gives you like a big crayon box and such. Well, we had this big, uh, sort of cookie bin. It was like a, like a foot wide and just tons of crayons. So I was already teaching myself how to basically draw and color, right? But um, as far as the rest, like going through dance and um, the, the viola and violin and such, um, that was just because I felt um, I should have done everything, mm. which weird, weird self-pressure to have when you're seven. But, <laughs> you know, but for me, it was like, well, there's a lot of cool and talented kids out there why not me you want to be you know? one of them yeah 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 i mean that was my definition of like cool was uh -huh. skill and some other mm. folks or kids you know you have like cool clothes and such but i would always get walmart and target um <laughs> and back then target was shittier than walmart like walmart was better than target <laughs> back then. For people who don't know so you know it's like you go to school and you you definitely grew and you should get some new pants but if you go to school and you're your pants are only at the lowest mid mid size of your shin mm. then you're like well well shit you know it's just really hard to be cool so all i have to do is just obliterate my competition and <laughs> make cool by being the fastest by drawing better than all of y'all uh -huh. by like super competitive type of stuff and that was me right but it was also just because like i guess i didn't have uh, a lot of a uh, sort of attention 
so mm. I wanted attention uh, drawing. I wanted I wanted to be on that yearbook. I wanted all that stuff, right? But it it grew because I actually felt, damn, I'm good at this shit. Mm-hmm. This is like I was I was doing realism, drawing three uh, D hands and stuff with all the shades and all the yeah. fingerprints. By the time I was six, mm-hmm. oh, I, so it was like really unusual when kids are trying to draw stick figures and you're doing three D hands. The, yeah. the contract was quite big. So uh, I guess later on when it came to dance, uh, I remember, what was it, like seventh grade? There's this one girl, her name was Angelica. And she was like, oh my God, I love dancers. I just remember that. (laughs) How old are you? I was was seventh grade. Seventh grade, okay. If you're in eighth grade, that's 14, right? Uh, Dude, no, I think eighth grade is like 12 or 13. Really? Fourth, Fourth grade is 10, I think. Maybe, I don't yeah. know. I, that's Wait, so long ago, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, obviously, during those type of things, when you're going through puberty, not only is your sort of body transforming, so can your identity, too. I gotta I gotta impress the honeys over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't... I, like, I just knew it was a cool thing because I remember Taven Parker, Chantel, those were, like, the best dancers in middle school. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I remember seeing Taven Parker in a Sadie's Hawking dance do the arm wave and it mm. fucking blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, no, how do you do that? I didn't say that, but I was just, that was my entire Sadie's Hawking was trying to study that someone did an arm wave. Not like I believed it. Like it was believable. It was that yeah. good. Yeah. I remember also another guy, he, he was a Filipino kid. His name, his name was uh, Nathan Montablo. Uh-huh. And I'm starting to Put these things together because it's been a while but i remember in fifth grade he did uh, the, the 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 glide in a square like how michael jackson does that mm-hmm. but he was able to do it in his converses and i i just tripped out so anything related to dance within middle school i always just thought it was a higher level of like human being to me that was yeah. like superpowers to me that was like martial arts That's right tight, yeah. but exactly. i into it until like watching some like old, you know, uh, MTV wars or whatever, where Michael Jackson's doing the the back glide. Well, people call it the, the moonwalk, but really it's the back glide um, across the stage. And, um, you know, I used to have these audio cassette tapes you play on the, on the recorder and I would play that listening to Billie Jean. And, uh, you know, that was like my only role models. Like I didn't really have any anyone to define what cool was. Yeah. So, I tried because I don't have any recording. There's no like then um, just learning how to dance based off my memory. Mm-hmm. And they were only one time moments. So, okay, I, 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 I remember practicing before I went to sleep, like there's a lamp and some, some moonlight, but then there's a shadow against the wall. So I would practice trying to curve my arm against <laughs> the shadow on my wall to was, figure out the mechanics of an arm wave. You made a mirror without having a mirror. That's the ghetto mirror. Right, exactly. So so I was training myself in like seventh, eighth grade type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Based off my shadow. Because, mm. you know, I don't have any cousins. There's no one from the streets. I'm from the suburbs. Like there's no gangs. There's no, I didn't even know what this stuff was called, but I just remember yeah. what it looked like, right? And then that's like the artist coming out of me is like, a memory, then I'm projecting that visual and I'm trying to transform how I move and operate through my habits to obtain it. It was only until I think uh, freshman year in high school that then there was a hip hop club. And I go, okay, okay, okay. So then the vocabulary started coming in. I started learning, oh, what what you're really interested in is called popping. It's not Michael Jackson dancing or some other- (laughs) Is that what you called it? (laughs) I mean, like that's the closest you got, right? Michael you know? Jackson. Or, or you know, like break dancers, but then you're like, well, that's not, that's not breaking, right? Yeah. That's, that's something different. It's Michael Jackson uh, dance. <laughs> yeah, you know. But like, I was hella good. Not uh, like I wasn't like a Michael Jackson impersonator at, at all. I was just trying to do. By then, by ninth grade, I had waves, and I had kind of glides, but there was no hits. 
mm -hmm. right? Tits and popping and all that kind of stuff. That was when they're like, hey, you need to kind of get into that. And then uh, there's a guy named Derek Valerio and uh, Mike V. They were in my art classes uh, trying to educate me. All these folks I'm naming, they're literally all Filipino and only Taven Parker was black. Hmm. And, and mind the audience, I'm Chinese. And so I belong in the honor classes because all the Chinese folks, you know, we, we are so studious and such. Like the stereotypes are super strong in my childhood. Hmm. So all the cool kids are darker color <laughs> and, and, all, and all the, you know, uh, East Asian type of kids are like just pure academics. But it was true. So, you know, if everyone's uh, sensitive about that, uh, you didn't live about 20 years ago. But anyways, <laughs> I know we had to say stuff like that, like cancel culture and this and that. And like, oh, you, you racist. Like, no, that's like You're canceled. This, this interview's over, yeah. dude. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Dequan. It's only been five minutes in. We got to cancel you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that was kind of like how it started. And so meantime, I was always like painting and drawing. Yeah. No, so I I didn't paint until um, a crush gave me. Her name was Melissa, and she gave me oil paintings for my birthday. I think I was in tenth grade. An oil and painting or paint? Sorry, oil paints. It was like a kit. Oh, okay. It was like a kit in little tubes, like five tubes, yeah, like yeah. primary. And so I didn't know how the fuck to use it, but I had a canvas board. Uh -huh. uh, miraculously, I guess. Um, I don't know how I got that one, but she had a pet duck, so I I, uh, I took the paints and I just taught myself how to do oil paints. Uh, I later later learned her dog ate her her duck. And, uh, <laughs> Wait, what the? <laughs> <laughs> she had a pet duck and her dog yeah. ate the duck. <laughs> yeah, and I also like gave her a painting of the of that duck to memorialize it. Well, the duck was alive at that point, but you know. Yeah like that oh. but anyway like all this sort of like self-discovery of like dance and trying to find my identity was always like a mirage is the point right mm. and when you're before 18 that's all the time you're just discovering yourself you know sort of your uh interests you know and the thing is it just didn't stop like there wasn't anything much to it that i felt i didn't like all of it was awesome and yeah. i felt it was a challenge because there are so many different ways of interpreting the same dance or or paints or if you, you're studying picasso or your salvador Dali or your you know henry matisse and all those you know great uh postmodern artists you know you could choose the same way with dance who you want to be mm -hmm. right or like platforms these uh visual and performing arts yeah so for me um i i kept that going into college which of course is where I met you. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course, you know, we can get into those stories later, but art was always personal and it was a way for me to mold myself and my philosophy. Um, whether it had any sort of career path or not, it at least uh, allowed me to learn how to discipline, you know, pay attention closer to uh, skills and detail. And then also question, um, you know, kind of the the dynamics and, and the politics of like where art and dance was going, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking about like dance politics. We're talking about maybe new school artists and such, but it allowed me to make friends. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have known you if I didn't also have the caliber to mess and 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 with you in your time of dance, mm -hmm. right? Like you and like you want to form a crew with a newbie. Like uh, that's a waste of time. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Like we all had to be a certain caliber to even like allow ourselves to go, all right, this, this seems like a good pack. Let's see what we can make out ourselves. But had I not done that, I wouldn't be having a, probably a, a, a strong as a friendship with you, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. or the rest of the guy, right? But that has been, I guess, my way of um, sort of untapping sort of that artistic community like yourself and others. Yeah. Would you say um, that your self-discovery has a lot to do with the art that you were doing like did do you think that that really helped to mold you i mean it sounds like it did yeah i mean to an extent <clears throat> sometimes you know if you have a relationship with other uh folks or you have other interests you know your dance and art can't take all that credit 
But when you're trying to uh, at least have an outlet and have a safe medium to exercise some um, ideas and maybe some feelings you're not really feeling clear about, like if you're dancing, you want to pick the right song you're vibing with. Mm -hmm. Is the song really expressing the clarity that I'm trying to understand? Because maybe something just happened and I don't understand it quite yet. Because you're so young. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, there's no prior experience. Every everything's usually a first time at that point. Uh-huh. Um, so you know uh, that, and uh, with painting, sometimes you would paint uh, certain themes. Your colors would turn darker or brighter depending on your mood. But all it was really was just acknowledgement of just placing all of that stuff into somewhere else safely, so that you can get rid of that catharsis and then just move on. Mm. You know, that's that's really what it allows you to do is just move on. And I think kind of like if I had to choose between the two, uh, dance is quicker. It's accessible. You don't have to set up your studio. You can just get straight to it. Yeah. And you know, you can usually start uh, fine tuning how you hear things. With painting, you got to sit with those feelings for a long ass time. Yeah. Because yeah. the painting is done. Well, you know, and you, like you might get over it in two weeks, but then you're like, damn, I need another two weeks to finish this. And then uh-huh. your feelings are your feelings are done. Yeah, you know? no, you know what? When I paint, that's exactly how I, I it, it happens with me. Is like I'll be really inspired to do something, and I'll start like right. laying it out, um, and like getting my mind around what I want to do. But I know this is gonna take me a week, and then yeah. I'll eventually will get like out of that mood, and I'm like, I'll take another look at this painting, and I'll be like, you know, it was a good idea, but also. I don't think I'm ever going to be in that mood again. And so I don't think I can finish this thing. So I have like hella unfinished work, like just in a backlog. You know what I mean? Like just tons of stuff. So it's like unfinished. I have a lot of that. Like I had four paintings Mm -hmm. all finished. And so I was like, I'm going to make a a series of unfinished paintings. Like what is, what is this? Right. (laughs) All I did was just say, you know what? These, as I got older and I needed more canvases, I just said, fuck it. You know what? These feelings are so amateur at this point because so much older and more mature now. Yeah. I'm just going to fight it out and I paint it over it. That's what I yeah, did. Yeah, I just yeah. turned it back into canvases. Sometimes it's just like, I'm better off just using this canvas for something else because <laughs> like, like, that's, this is the only way that's productive, right? Yeah, I yeah. Wanna, I seriously yeah, have yeah. like some canvas. I have one sitting right over there that's like yeah. unfinished for like 10 years and I don't know. I actually hung it up for a while to just remind myself that I to need finish to, it? to finish it. Well, to, I mean, it kind of turned into like an art piece in itself because it was like I'd look at it every day and I'd be like, it's unfinished. Also, everything you're doing is unfinished. So you need to work harder. So I don't know. It kind of like became like a, a model yeah. for my own life. So I, I like it in that sense. But I wouldn't say anyone would look at it and be like, that's a good art piece. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, it, me- yeah. it means something to me, I guess, you know, so. <laughs> but That's like it's like you're purposely carrying a certain baggage. For reals, purpose. yeah. It's, it's like, like here, here's literally a chip in my sh- shoulder. It's the size of a canvas. Yeah. You know, did you, in your background, did you do those too? Yeah, I did. Th- yeah. No. So this one, when I first started this show, um, I was trying to make a logo and I yeah. just, I got drunk and just painted this <laughs> in like a couple hours. I don't know if you could see that one over there. Let me see if I can turn my, um, this thing really quick. You probably have seen this before. Cause I made this like hell long ago. I made this for Keiko a long time ago. Can you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 The red strong dude, the contrast. That's, that's good dude. Yeah. I was going to make a whole series of those that I never got to. I probably will someday. And then I made this one over here. If you can see that, I don't know. this one, I, I made in like 10 minutes, actually. <laughs> For the viewer, you may not uh, see the fine detail, but I want to appreciate the border of your red painting that you painted the border side red. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Uh, that's good. Yeah. That's the kind of detail that a lot of people don't appreciate, but I try to, I try to I put noticed. that kind of thing it. into. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, man. But, yeah. So I'm a little bit of, you know, myself. And then now, uh, you know, when you're in, entering adulthood, even that's a struggle, right? Like you, you come so much as an artist and you have maybe full, you know, philosophical ideas and, and, and mentors and friends and such, but they start hitting the real world and it just starts breaking down. Mm. Right. 
whole idealistic. I mean, for me, my, my personality is very ideal. Like I like to go for the bigger, grander schemes.、Mm -hmm. You know, I like to go long term.、Um, you know, very big purpose type of stuff. Yeah. And then when we hit the real world, when for us, I think for me, it was like 2010, 2011, going to the workforce. That was like the middle of the Great Depression,、mm -hmm. and then coming hot off being a dancer from the internet, and then winning like Dr. Pepper and shit. And oh like, yeah, that's right, you did, huh? Right, 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 exactly. I mean, there's all these past identities, but you know, meeting John Chu, and it's funny. During my trip there,、um, part of it was going to hang out with John Chu, you know, director of you know Step Up and all that stuff. Yeah. And he he needed to make time because he just came out with Justin Bieber's Never Say Never documentary,、yeah. so we watched. So I watched with him, right next to him, his own movie of Justin Bieber, and then we were doing like spending a whole day of Dr Pepper shit, doing Justin Bieber shit.、Uh -huh. it, it was weird, but I just remember that. I mean, it was a good documentary. I never knew so much about Justin Bieber, but、uh. <laughs> <laughs> man, you know what? I can't lie.、Uh, I used to hate on the dude. But、yeah. then, like, there was me and Keiko were on like vacation、um, one year, it was a while ago, and there was like this song that was just playing. It, was I think it we were in Costa Rica. I can't remember what song it was, but it was just playing. I was like, "Oh, this song is dope." And then she was like, "You know who that is?" I was like, <laughs> "No, I don't know who it is, but it's lit." And then she's like, "That's Justin Bieber." And then <laughs> I had like a an immediate like, I don't know.、Uh, You know, self-reflecting, like you know, <laughs> it hit me like a、okay. brick. Like, oh no, I'm whack. <laughs> and then, no, and then, and so then I listened to his whole album, and I was like, yo, this whole album is really tight, actually. So then I gained like a huge respect for Justin Bieber, actually. So yeah, yeah. I think you probably heard. I realized I was a hater, dude. I realized I really realized I was a hater because he's a legit musician for sure, and well, I, I don't well, give a, a fuck.、Quote. I'm a believer. Fuck anybody who thinks I'm not. So <laughs> he's older now, so he and stuff. So, but let's let's go back to Justin Timberlake when he came off shoot from NSYNC. So、mm -hmm. if did you think any of Justin、uh, Timberlake's songs solo were good? Um, I don't know. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I honestly didn't listen to him that much, but he probably had some hits. Yeah. But you know how like there was like tension at least amongst the girls of who was better and sync or Bastard Boys. Oh yeah. But if you really liked it as a dude, yeah, would you question yourself in your sexuality, thinking, "Am I gay?" <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's why you become a hater because it's the same. It's the same dynamic with Justin Bieber, right? You're like, Damn, do I really think he's dope? Fuck, fuck. No, dude. You know what? I actually really love the Backstreet Boys. Like they are so dope. So I don't know. Well, I mean, you're looking like like one right now. Like、uh, Kevin, right? Yeah. Well, you <laughs> see, dude, you know his name. I Hell know yeah. I know. I know the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> all right, all right. Kevin was the oldest. Dad, yeah, I think my、Brian、dad was the second oldest.、Backstreet. What was that? He had, he had a seat. My dad liked Backstreet Boys. He had、um, the CD in his car. And I was like, that was the only CD you have. And I was like, what? what <laughs> Isn't you know? your dad hell Chinese? Well, well, he is only Chinese, but he's very American. So, oh, I, I, yeah, I thought I met him, and he had like a Chinese accent. I don't know. I don't remember. No, no, no. It's、uh, going to be some other dad. I, I like. Okay, <laughs> I just like to picture. I mean, maybe I'm just racist, but I'm just like picturing this like super Chinese guy singing like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like style or something. Just singing the whole album like with a Chinese accent, which is a lot funnier in my mind. So that's what that's your dad. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, he can play that role just for your fun. Just in my mind, that's that's what I dream about. So,、yeah. but that's tight. No, Backstreet Boys are legit. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie, for sure.、Okay. I、All、listened、right. probably to every single one of their albums, and I don't know. Wow. Fuck. <laughs> I, think, I think now's the time to confess, Kurt. What's going on, dude? I'm whack. <laughs> I'm a herb. <laughs> That's it. All right, the truth is out now. There、All、it、right. is. No, Sorry. No, no, That's the、no. end. Of, this is the end of the show. I'm whack. I'm whack. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> All relatable.、I'm、yeah.、Right. Um. So, uh, what do you think? 
the similarities are with like visual art like painting and sculpting and stuff with dancing yeah i mean when you're a true really deep type of artist versus a gimmick artist or a very like fling type artist like this is who you are and it's how you only think you start looking at dance visuals or other such as mediums mm -hmm. they're just different tools right uh you're, you're going to get different results and objectives but when i look at dance uh it's it's the medium to express sound and movement right and maybe how i personally feel if i want to get an exercise out of it you know because popping is very aggressive and energetic you can be smooth and start to you know really hit the sharp edges with different styles or you know if you want to wave and glide or even just yeah. stop and but with with painting it's it's kind of different because you have to really have some sort of like intense emotion or visual inside your head and be really disciplined in how how steady you are to transfer all that energy into something visual that does some effect of that same intensity you had in here so like i do way less painting and visuals than dance dance was like majority of my time yeah because I always felt a little bit crazier, a little bit more moodier trying to do, you know, visual arts because you got to maintain all that in your head and you're just basically crazy for like a month. Yeah, it's right. It really is like you, you seriously got to like lock yourself in your house, yeah. in your room, in whatever, and like just hold on to this emotion. I mean, like for reals, like just replay a song or something in your head, like on repeat and do it. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. how I would paint that's why for reals. That's why it's good when, when the subject nature is deep because you can maintain and sustain that emotion, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I actually, in young 20s, you know, through the Great Recession and trying to figure out my career, what is a career, what is a job, all sorts of things, what I want to do, I felt like art was actually a negative force in my life because mm -hmm. it added into my mental health issues. Interesting. Right. It was really unstable and volatile. And it was not something to depend, especially if you have things like bills or you have an expectancy, you know, uh, abilities you want to take a girl on a date. But then, you know, you're like, well, if I take you on a date, I got to spend money on this food. And then I have less money now than to make a career out of myself or something. Interesting. Right. So, you know, I, what I did was dance is still good and safe. But then I started looking to different um, ways you know, just, just very typical. I think all of us in our 20s as artists try to question. Very few can stick to it, and I have high respects for that, but it just was not for me. I just wanted to uh, get the normal skills. I wanted to know what was on the other side, yeah. you know, trying to like start breaking down my ego. So I started teaching my, myself a lot about finances, uh, slowly worked my way back into uh, the startup area just because that's my hometown in the Bay Area. And then it became tech and like a few long stories of uh, luck. But eventually now I'm doing software and such. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the arts, I can always come back to it. Like I painted a painting last December and it was actually some people said it was better than all my other shit, but yeah. I didn't do any practice. Right. Yeah. And I finished it in three days. It was just yeah. because I was just being myself. Yeah. Right. Like if you're still exercising, expressing yourself and you're you're still able your art skills or your dance skills other than fitness uh won't really go away like you like you, you know you as a dancer right you still got it you, you know minus the fitness and the quickness but your your mind is still always like that because you've always been keeping the breath if anything sometimes you might be doing a session get down and you find yourself probably being better than where you were before some yeah no sometimes i have to take a break for like a week or so or a couple weeks just to like reframe myself because sometimes i'm like man fuck this breaking shit i'm out and then like you know a week or two goes by and i come back refreshed and i'm like okay i'm like now ready to to build you know what i mean mm -hmm. so i think that that's important to do um and i would say uh with painting and stuff i mean it the technique of you know you know painting brush strokes using color and stuff i feel like a lot of that is more of a mental activity than an actual like uh physical activity and the yeah. skills don't really degrade as nearly as quickly as like dance 
dance moves and stuff. And so right. sometimes like, man, I'll take a long time off from like actually drawing and painting and stuff and come back, you know, with a fresh mind. I mean, a lot of times I have to, I'll, I'll do it as like a stress relief kind of thing. And it, I'll just get really invested into it. Really, uh, my, I'll just get so invested in trying to finish this painting or something. And I think that that's really the best way to do it, to be honest. I mean, I haven't found a better way to do it, but I'm also not exactly like um, incredibly, you know, like I'm not out here trying to be like the greatest painter of all time. I do it more as like, a, you know, a fun hobby kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. It, it, I, I find that I, I'm, I, I'll get better at it still because just taking a break and then coming back to it, you know, because I'll, I'll, I I like to take in the world, take in everything I see and then remind myself about that when I'm, you know, now working on a project and uh, trying to do that. And I I just play around a little bit and come up with some cool stuff. So um, I definitely feel like if I had tried to do it back to back, I wouldn't have that same um, reflection, you know, that I had with by taking months off and then coming back to it. You know what I mean? And I think that's like what you just said was a really important factor that separates great artists from just hobbyists. Like I don't consider myself a great artist because I will compare myself to like the endurance of Picasso. Mm -hmm. Like go back to back to back and produce some wild, crazy stuff. And it still maintains a certain level of caliber, innovation, off the wall ideas. And he didn't just do, you know, um, you know, cubist type of paintings. He did sculpturing. Yeah. He did. Um, he he was like he was a Renaissance modern day mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. But he produced profusely. He was just all the time. For me, I'll do something, and then I'm like depleted my emotions, and it might take me a few months to go. All right, now I have built up something. You know, what's next? But Picasso could do back to back. So that part, you know if I had to pursue art, I knew I would have to really push my mental health in order to achieve that level. And I just wasn't. Yeah. That, 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 that's what uh, deterred me. Yeah. But I do have friends who can produce because that is their, you know, way of income. That's their way of life. And I just admire that, you know, like there's different paces. Sometimes they don't feel they have the luxury uh, to paint what they want. They got to mm. paint what people want so that way they can buy the commission and yeah. then live off. But then there's folks who go, you know what? I only paint one thing once a month. There's only 12 limited paintings per year and they're immaculate. And, you know, my brand is strong. I can sell these like five, 10,000, 15,000 K a pop. Right. So if I had to re re go back into it, you know, after this, you know, tech phase, I'm going to do, uh, give me about 10 years and such. And then, you know, tech money then I do plan to return in sort of a more uh, a luxurious type of uh, marketing level of approaching my art versus sort of community, you know, frequent painting, because that's just not my style. But yeah, I do have plans to go go back to it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's something to be said about that, because there's definitely like from the Renaissance times, there's a lot of like really famous painters that were aristocrats and they were so good because they had the money and time to really invest in those skills because they didn't necessarily need to you know worry about you know getting fucked up by life because you know they had money to like chill until the age of 30 yeah exactly yeah no so there's definitely something to be said about that um going back to what you were saying earlier um about like art and mental health um I think it's really interesting that you're saying that like it, it was coming, becoming kind of like a mental strain on yourself. Um, uh, I've always felt that art is kind of like more of a stress relief for me. Um, because a lot of times like, you know, I'm at work or whatever and I'm going through it and I'm just like, fuck this shit. I'm trying to, you know, chill. I'm trying to like relieve some stress. The, the immediate thing I do is I just put on some music that I'm feeling and then I just let myself kind of dance like do you know roll around on the ground whatever have some fun um uh do, do you do you not does that not resonate with you or is do you look at it differently 
Yeah, it's about intention for me. So okay. if I had to depend on it, like trying to say, well, I need to have a portfolio of 20 paintings. I have the self pressure that I got to produce, right? And that it got to lead to something. So that pressure alone, like if I'm depending it, like if I'm going to be an artist as a career, right? Oh, I see. And a brand, then it becomes a little bit of a toxic self relationship because it's a, it's a do or die situation because time's of, of the essence, right? But if you have something else to fall back on, which I believe is the best way so that you can buy yourself some time and have support from your own self-financing and also learn other skills in the real world, then you can approach art in sort of more of a release than sort of uh, on a clutch, Yeah. right? So for me, like, it was just, it was just tough because again, it was in the context of the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. I was in LA, you know, gigs as a dancer was shitty. Like my support was being a dancer, which is also volatile, yeah. right? I remember getting this one gig in my email inbox. It was like, hey, we need a, like a birthday clown for 35 bucks. <laughs> and you got to bring your own costume and also drive yourself here and also feed yourself. And I was like, man, you know, like... <laughs> But did you do it? No, I, I didn't. Uh, and I was like, well, I would rather starve, you know, instead of having that. <laughs> I'd rather like, starve, you know, it's like, yeah, if I, if I had a nickel and dime and go, you know what? If I take the bus, maybe I can like save a dollar or two. And then if I eat and like spread out and ration my Doritos, maybe <laughs> from the carbs and how I move, I could maybe like only spend $20 and profit the 15 on the way back. But no, that was too crazy. But like that, that's like the shit that you had to do. That's it, man. Oh, shit. Yo, the struggle is real. No, I, I, yeah, I feel you on that. No, like, yeah, there's some crazy gigs that people ask you to do sometimes. And it's, it's just like... It's just indignifying. It's just like really stupid. But I get it. They're like, what, what do you mean? It's exposure. You can put on your credits, you know? <laughs> <laughs> now, what if they paid you like a G to do that, though? And it was oh, like a couple hours of work or whatever, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I'll <laughs> learn a double. <laughs> <laughs> You'll put on a clown outfit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll like, I'll like learn. Yeah, it's like all the guys like, a, you know, Kigurumi costume PJs, you know? And then I'll find a wig or something. I remember, I remember one time there was a, I got an inquiry from LA Block who I was with and it was a Best Buy's commercial trying to look for robots. And of mm. course, all the robots in Step Up were really, really fucking good. Mad Chad, Ace, yeah. like the professional dance robots were part of the same thing. But yeah, I was yeah, like- Boogie Frantic to, I think was there. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. Well, anyways, of course, predictably, I didn't get the gig because like everyone was there, but when I bring it up is because, yeah, I dressed myself in silver paint, right? Like uh -huh. I got the costume, I got ready just for an audition. And that's how far I would have to go because, you know, that was my job, right? Yeah. So anyway, it was like, all right, I'm going to do, I'm going to do be a dancer, which is volatile and getting shitty gigs. Meanwhile, I want to try to also half self-discover myself through painting, but yet also maybe see if I can make something out of it. It was just a bad combo yeah you know yeah. It, in the in the wrong time the wrong place and, and very expensive that's why for me it just it was very deep to go you know what i gotta reapproach this with a stronger hand a different time and place uh allow myself to have a break because i've been an artist all my life and see what else i can become but that was that was that was my own thing just because i know um some folks go you know what i I have to do art. That that's the only passion that I can do. But but luckily when I was younger, again back to the beginning of our conversation, you know, I couldn't really I had ear infections and I was bad at talking. So I can only do certain expressions really well that was visual. And other than art, it was numbers. Mm -hmm. So I was really fucking good at numbers. Like I can calculate in my head and all sorts of stuff. I don't need paper or calculator. Mm -hmm. So that my finance was really interesting to me because it felt um natural and then that's how i broke into it now some other folks who may not have you know sort of a affinity with math and different relationships and other such you know um that they everyone's figured it out but for me that was my way out mm. yeah so do those math those like mathematical skills 
Um, do you think that that translates into like your dance or your art at all? Yeah, yeah. So you know how I dance, and then for yeah, any of you, it's very like, mathematical. Yeah, it's it's extremely like methodical. Mm -hmm. There's like grid systems. Um, it has like a sort of a science to it. It's not random, basically. It's like everything is yeah. done purposefully. Or, and sort of like yeah, there's like freedom of concepts and in stream of consciousness, but it's always executed in a way that would lead up to a punchline. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and I wasn't the best at it. It's just because my my hearing with music wasn't the best. Um, but it, it it felt natural for me to be kind of mechanical about it. Mm. Some other that feels like it is holding them back. But for me, being mechanical was my release, because that way I could be a moving, sort of systematic kind of guy and artist, and that did complement both of my uh, natural passions together. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And so, do you think that also translated into like painting? Yeah, dude. So my art isn't really random at all too like there's layers how i do it so let's just take uh the painting in the background that you got right you you, you got your background and foreground you have your concept so it so normally what i do is i do layers tons of layers yeah and i have i have it broad and it gets more specific but typically all my paintings go through about a 10 to 15 layer process yeah i do and i do have it mapped out in my head sometimes conceptually with what i'm following but it's always it's always trying to uh, bring in the focus and also get rid of the focus in certain, certain areas. It's it's hard kind of to talk about it, but all of it is is not random. Like all of it is is communicating with itself. And at the end of the product, I'm trying to play with the person's eye. So because I do have other friends who go, you know, I paint out of expression or how I feel. For me, I could I could execute a really great painting with no feelings now. Interesting. Do you think that that's a preferred way to do it or is that if i wanted to maintain stability through the process yes interesting hmm. if i got my emotions into involved into it i might end up with an unfinished painting man <laughs> to be honest you know man no yeah i no, i feel that for sure like when you get your emotion involved like yeah you could easily end up with an unfinished thing that you you're like i don't know how i'm ever going to get back to this feeling you know, like, right. you know, actually, this is a this is this is something I could bring up here is like I've always wanted to write a book. And um, this I had this weird concept where I wanted it to be kind of like a journal of like feeling. And so mm -hmm. for a while I was whenever I'd feel like some extreme emotion, I would just start free writing on it in mm -hmm. an attempt to be able to bring myself later on into that frame of mind you know when i'm ready to actually write a story you know what i'm saying and so yeah, like yeah. when i'm writing a piece of the story that needs to be a certain emotion i have this free writing exercise i did where hopefully it would bring me back into that frame of mind so i have like a whole bunch of stuff that i've written like that i don't know if it's ever going to actually help but you know i kind of like I mean, it's kind of like a memoir what you did yeah yeah right capturing moments of your uh of your writing and, and if you can recall to it why you were writing it you can make a separate column and then put a commentary to give it context yeah i, I should have done that you know <laughs> afterwards and i did right. it so when i read it now i'm like what in the fuck was i was i on drugs or something like what is this <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the one of the things I if I had to write, because I was trying to really cultivate some, you know, surface level and some really deep uh, philosophies uh, for myself, my value system, and then also how I thought and perceived the world in sort of these math word equations. This is something I did when I was around twenty four, mm -hmm. but I just knew it could become something more advanced later down the road. But it was like. You know, I'm, instead of using numbers, you would use words and then use the functions of the the math structure, like times or divide or square root, mm -hmm. and then put in another word as a variable. That that alone is is kind of complex, but like it was a visual way of understanding my sentence structures to then produce more different type of outcome. That was just mm -hmm. the kind of dude I was, right? 
And so, you know, a lot of folks like in college, you know, with Facebook and then, you know, how you are hanging out, they'll only see one side of you that's visually expressed. Mm-hmm. Right. But all the shit that was going on in the background was like what I just told you right now. All these sort of like mechanical things I'm, I'm brooding in my head, you know, by myself. That That's really what goes on inside my head yeah. versus what the people or what I project outside, you know. I, I yeah. find that m- most artists have some kind of wild thing that's going on in their head. Uh, yeah, so like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I feel like it it's necessary to have the like brilliant art to also have some kind of like, you know, freak freakishly weird things that go on in your head. I mean, I, def- exactly. I definitely I mean, how you, right? Like, how else do you derive those things other than drugs? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I no. don't even have friends who are drug dealers, so I can't. I don't even have that outlet, <laughs> even if I try I, to. I've never done drugs, but everybody always is like, says, "Hey, man, you look like you do drugs." <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult, but yeah, um, I'll take it. Has anyone said, "Hey, Kurt, you laugh like you just did drugs"? Yeah, people have said that. <laughs> that laugh is like a drug-like laugh. Yeah, no, yeah, people say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I I don't know how to take that exactly. I I will just say I'm going to I'm going to take it as a compliment. It's probably an insult, but whatever, fuck them. <laughs> um, yeah, no. But man, I mean, I don't know. I'll look at I mean, Salvador Dali is like a really good example of like when I look yeah, at his yeah. art, I'm just like, dude, what in the hell was this guy doing? Cuz it's like uh, yeah. Like it's really, I, I love his art, but I'm just like, how the fuck did he think of this? It's like so wild, and like, yeah, you need, you need mental health issues to get there. Like you, cannot, <laughs> you cannot be like, I just do this, and you know, it's how I express myself. Yo, if you're expressing that shit, you need to be fucked up. Like yeah. that is like requirement. That's why it's dangerous, man. If you want to be great, you got to sacrifice something, and you gonna be sacrificing your mental health. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that That's there's a healthy way to do it? Uh, you like, can you like can you be great and 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 safe? I don't know. That's debatable. That's a good topic, though. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. I mean, man, I mean, a good example of that is um, is uh, uh, Vincent Van Gogh. I mean, he's like a brilliant oh, artist, yeah. but it's like he had so uh, many mental problems. Uh, it's just like yeah, and, and, and left veneer, right? Exactly, all sorts of things. And like, I just imagine, man, if you know, he had a therapist. I wonder if we would even have as as great of art as he produced if he had like a therapist from the beginning. They probably would have been like, "Hey, man, yeah, you're good." And he's like, "I am." And then you know, and that was it. <laughs> and he never painted all the like amazing yeah, art. That'd that be like a really funny show. Just, I mean, a small audience, smaller audience for artists though. But like, what would these great artists back then? You know, what would they operate like? And what would the episode be like if they were in today's world? Yeah. Like they went to the psychologist, they got prescribed certain drugs and antidepressants, you uh-huh. know, like what, what, what would that look like? Yeah. You know, I mean, what didn't Van, uh, Vincent Van Gogh like die from like, I don't know, eating yellow cadmium oil paint, which of course is toxic. Oh, I don't, uh, I thought he, I thought he actually shot himself. Oh, all right. Well, I'm. Well, I know I'm he off. cut his ear off. Oh, yeah, man, I don't remember actually, but it was like some really fucked up stuff for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I mean, yeah, but he he was struggling with a lot of stuff his whole life, basically. I mean, and it was mostly because he couldn't sell art. He was, yeah, you know, he had these like things he was trying to do with his art, and you know, um, and I think he probably didn't think he was translating it correctly. I mean, I'd be really interested to see what he was trying to translate because I really love his art. And so, um, yeah, well, for sure. And I so, mean, I mean, if he was trying to go for something even different, I mean, like, damn, dude, that'd be great to see. But, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess all jokes aside, I do think that um, there's there's got to be a healthy way to really do it, uh, you know, uh, you know because i mean mental health is definitely like not um it's like an important subject i was talking to my friend donovan um in the last episode about mental health and he was just saying you know how therapy is so important 
um, mm-hmm. to just like making you your mental fortitude better, you know, stronger, giving giving you yep. like some emotional strength. Um, and but I do think that you know I don't think that that necessarily means you have to give up on the emotions that make your art good. I think it's it's just having a good balance of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know I mean, enough on the subject to really talk on it, but it's like I think that there's I mean there's there obviously a lot of really happy artists who make some beautiful things and they feed off that energy and it's like light to them. Yeah. Right? It's to them this is a safe haven. To them it makes them feel better. It is their circle of confidence and it is what has given them all their opportunities and relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Um I just remember though there was this one book a purely about the science of creativity mm-hmm. and they said you know if you were to be more melancholy a lower heartbeat and more sad that tended to produce more artistic creative ideas mm. and then like that was someone trying to try to address this sort of debate can you do it out of happiness or you know more uppity type of energy or or are you more of a brooding stereotypical artist by going to your dungeon and basically slamming your life in exchange for great pieces of work and i think um you know that was a paradigm that a lot of artists go through and we're talking about real artists versus gimmicks have an internal struggle and then it's about them getting to the other side and can they have a healthy relationship with their own work mhm oh i mean there's like there's sort of that mad scientist relationship there's that sort of like really crazy type of entrepreneur relationship and for art it's basically what you put out there is that a part of you yeah. or is that more of a bigger vision right so i think for for that part i'm probably i'm probably just taking at least for myself speaking just taking a long break to return for a healthy relationship and that was you know to make sure it would not be strained by finances or worried about that yeah. right but yeah i do have some other friends where they go you know i feel more confident now than ever because i became somebody because of what i produced hmm. and so their life has been better and it, and it is something they always sort of fantasize i wish i could do more and more like a huge big you know positive feedback um i also have other friends i know who just disappeared Mm-hmm. and you just never hear about them and they were brilliant like really genuinely brilliant but you know you you can't save them these are people who will not ask or accept any help so mm-hmm. that that is that is like the two communities trying to chase the same thing yet they're on the opposite side it happens a lot in the artist uh community yeah mhm um and so you you're also part of the tech industry which yeah you know i think a lot of people would probably be surprised at that um but i do think that you know being part of like a um you know a startup kind of thing in the tech industry there's a lot of overlap um between like the artist me- mentality and uh, tech startup mentality do you agree with that Yeah, I agree that there are some intersects like if you had a, a Venn diagram and the two circles overlap, yeah. there is a there is a place where the two worlds do meet. Mm-hmm. But there's another other not necessarily polar but opposite worlds aspects that then represents diversity. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Right? Like typically if you're in tech, it helps to be an engineer and it probably also helps to have a background being a nerd. It's very seldom <laughs> but would you be I, Go for it. I was going to say There's a lot of nerdy ass art artists. I mean p- think of it like this like man to be just a good dancer. I mean damn, you got to be really invested in fucking dance. I mean like watching videos, like doing super crazy research. I mean like for real, like learning from a lot all the people before you. I mean, I would definitely say I'm a freaking break dance nerd. And um yeah for sure junkie whatever the word you want to use obsessed true student you know yeah so in a way i mean in the in, you know in some kind of like stem stem kind of job i would imagine being a nerd uh is just 
it just means you're doing something you're doing that same thing to something else you know what i mean i mean i'm i'm obviously an engineer and so i'm like a super nerd about like fucking math and stuff so like right i, I do think that that translates to dance i mean i think that that might be why i'm a fucking nerd about dance too you know what i mean mm-hmm. and a well, nerd also, about also, really a lot of were, shit when you were crafting your um and we're going back to 23 year old kurt 22 Uh 21 year old kurt so if i'm 20 you're 21 because i think you're a year older than me Uh if you remember how you dressed and then how your hair was and then the type of stuff you were working on you were going through a lot of phases about you know because you because you had your way but then you were trying to you were struggling through how do i get to that next level and a lot of your choices through practice which is where the, the the changing happens was kind of like that engineering sort of broad philosophy side coming through like mm. you were firing a lot to uh you were taking the 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 broad things of like bruce lee and then you broke it down in ways you can in, interpret it into your dance and then it was about flow i remember it was about how you connect to different moves uh it was a critique also about what was going on and always about originality right mm-hmm. so like uh, that hosh posh of like originality and which is really an artist thing um i just remember witnessing you doing that for your own craft and of course when you're building that with uh engineering in the real world you want to be able to stand out from the rest mm-hmm. so i know that at least with tech and business and and career what I was able to bring from being an artist was, um, you know, sort of like the battling experience and confrontation and not being afraid to be in meetings and approach, yeah. right? Battling definitely helps individual just get ready for the moment. Whether you're going to win or not, you're going to be present. That's yeah. really what it's about, yeah. right? Uh, I did struggle, though, translating uh, from computers, you know, towards computer science from the arts they probably may not share a lot in common but yeah. because uh, let's be real you know uh, software languages how hardware works and electronics uh, is not really how colors on a canvas uh it's really a language talk. it's a it's a new it's a new language really yeah but... yeah yeah so when i talk to other colleagues they often in the very beginning when i was at google in 2013 for the moonshot project for google glass and i was recruited because i was a dancer actually that's how i got in because they want brand ambassadors who was cool but i just wanted a fucking job so i said yes of course <laughs> right right and so they were like oh well you know you can dance so anyway like, oh, sure whatever but i remember when i was talking to other folks they could never understand me because i was so abstract yeah in yeah. the way i talked never precise never got straight to the point uh, just all over the place um but uh i used that opportunity at google uh to at least just observe sort of the excitement of what other people were excited about they wanted to create new industries they wanted to try and of course there were things that were not at all um familiar from the art world into that basically there was new stuff i had to learn like fundraising a lot of the sort of elite people who were behind the scenes there were board directors of forbes you know just a lot of wealth that kind of culture and so you, yeah, you, if you're in Silicon Valley, you get a lot of that sort of insight into yeah. those wealth things, because if you have your own startup, like I do for myself, I'm starting to go into a lot of meetings with folks who are from that world that otherwise, um, you would, you would not get typically, uh, through art. However, though, challenging that, uh, I do have this artist friend and we chat pretty often. And, you know, when it comes to buyers and it comes to selling really expensive things or trying to touch upon that, those same buyers who purchase art for thousands and thousands or also the same type of family wealth that also invests into companies too. Mm-hmm. So my worlds are starting to intersect through the, the main objective Um where the same crowds of folks who typically have a family office for investing also sometimes uh, invest into art because that's their tax write-off. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's just weird how more recently it became a full circle, but the, the, the journey in between, they are so disconnected. Yeah. That's what I found. Man, that's interesting. Um, so we're approaching it in an hour, um, so we should probably look at closing the show out soon, but... 
I wanted to ask you because because uh, you're working on some really cool things, and I know that you're under NDA. I'm under NDA, uh, so there's not probably not a lot we can talk about. But um, is there anything you can publicly say about the like really cool projects that you're working on in the tech industry? Because yeah. I think yeah, it's it, so, it's like so cool. Yeah. So basically, in a very uh, quick line i'm i'm working on parallel processing software mm -hmm. and that subject level of software uh with you know our team that it was just so difficult to do that it just was done in small parts but never on a whole wide system basically all the computing processing and issues you got for lag uh you want to do multiple applications and stuff all that slowdown um would go away just because your software logic was different uh, to fully utilize the hardware that you're doing. Um, all of the rest of the details is basically, you know, of course, stealth mode, but we do want to apply it to, you know, like our interaction right here, you running YouTube, you know, all the things in the cloud and such. Um, but out of all the experience I did, self-driving cars, I was part of for Google, um, other things for other startups, this stuff that I'm working on now, to me, is the most important a piece of the software journey for the last 40 years. Yeah. The last most important piece of technology, in my opinion, was the personal computer PC. Yeah. Since then, you we have made advancements, um, but never quite that impactful. Here, if you have parallel processing software for our operating system, uh, you would be able to finally bring all that wishes and you know performance to the true uh, potential of what hardware does. So that's what I'm doing, and yes, a dancer can do it. Uh, it takes a long time to do it, uh, to get there, and you can't do it alone. Yeah. Uh, the guys and teams that I have, you know, they've been doing for all their lives. It's just I'm that diversity that came to the picture and part of that team. That's yeah. All. And and so, what yeah. I think is so cool about it, and, and this kind of makes us full circle, is that, like, this is a complete reimagination of, like, how your computer really processes. And I really do believe that it took an incredibly creative person to come up with this sort of system to do it. And, uh, you know, coming full circle, it's like, you know, an artist is really like reshaping the tech world. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people like to worship or give you know credit to Steve Jobs. But honestly, Steve Jobs was just a salesman. It was engineers behind him that brought mm -hmm. the scene. Right. I mean, the iPhone was not actually the first phone computer. It was somewhere else. And yeah. they just put the parts together. But yeah, creativity in tech, it plays uh, a big role when there's a plateau. Mm -hmm. You're going to need the side and your operation side to bring you to that level. But once you hit that plateau and you feel like nothing's budging, that's when you go hard on creativity. Yeah, yeah. That's, and like right now, with COVID and economic impact and people changing their lives and being affected for better and for worse, more commonly worse, we're hitting a lot of plateaus. And so a lot of folks got to be really creative in reinventing not only what they do and interact, but how they interact with themselves and what they got to do for next year's. Whether you accept the challenge or not, uh, you know, your life and creativity depends on it. That's, that's at least how I feel. Um, that might be a high standard and maybe insensitive because some people don't have that luxury to really think for you know that reflection because so much is happening. Um, but creativity right now uh, can bring out the best of solutions for people. Yeah. yeah. Dope, man. Yeah. That's that's dope. That's a dope way to end this. My last question is, what's up with this sexy light that you got on yourself? It's oh, like yeah. The room. I decked, out, I decked out the house with... Um, color lights everywhere so every, <laughs> every every room got it just yeah, for man. fun or is this yeah yeah yeah. just for the fun just for like you know tenants if they want so you know i'm just borrowing one room yeah but basically at night yeah the place that i got in san francisco uh turns it can turn into a party house D a discotheque man yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. i just thought green and pink is pretty good <laughs> no it looks dope man well, thank you for coming on the show. This was a great discussion. I mean, I learned a lot about, you know, uh, you know, just your your frame of mind, your mindset around art and everything and, and how it relates to the tech world and painting mm -hmm. and everything. I think this was dope, a dope discussion. So um, last thing, 
where can people reach you? Um, oh, yeah. You don't really use That's social media, but. Um, you can reach me through Kurt if you want, because I don't use <laughs> social media. <laughs> and it's okay. It's okay. Actually, no. Just find me on LinkedIn, Daniel Kwan. Um, that's where I only use, you know, I'll be still kind of in a dungeon, but for a lot of folks out there, you know, there is an Instagram, but I won't, I won't add you back. That's another story too. When I do this, when, when I do this would you gig, add me? No, no I think, yeah, I would you, well, I would add you like a year later when I, when I log in just to see what happens. Right? <laughs> but when I did this one, this is the last note. When I did this one, uh, Netflix gig, cause I got called randomly and it was like a movie. It was, uh, like the laundry mat too, or something. I don't know. <laughs> what the fuck? But they need Straight a bunch of DVD. Right, right, right. So, so, so I do have like two seconds on Netflix for myself. But one dude I was making friends with on set, he was like, "Hey, man, you know, can, you, you know, uh, what's your what's your IG?" And and I, just, I gave it to him. He's like, "Well, you gonna add me back?" I was like, "Oh no, I don't, I don't log in. You can add me." <laughs> well, <I'm not. laughs> so, I just bring that up, but you know, folks, don't get offended. Just just uh, get a hold of Kurt or just add me on LinkedIn. And, yeah, you know, yeah, and. Uh sit tight there's going to be some cool announcements someday um with the, the cool projects that he's working on well anyways with that um thanks for being on thank you guys for listening sorry the show sucks you know tight peace, <laughs> peace. <laughs>